Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. To this week's edition of the Back Nine Reports, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Aldvader. Fred, hi, how are you today? Oh, Carlos, you know, I'm I'm having a bit of Florida withdrawal. When I left Naples on Friday, it was 80 degrees. When I got home to Toledo, it was 30 degrees. I want to go back. I, I love it down there. We're going to talk about Florida later in the show, I, and I love Naples. Hey, Carlos, football season is finally over, but what a finish. New England won the Super Bowl again in one of the best games ever. What'd you think of that game, Carlos? You know, uh, I'm gonna tell you this. I have never seen anything like that before. Well, wait, it never happened before. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, no, it was an incredible game. I I have uh, my my radio show that I have on Saturdays for the Spanish uh, Spanish speaking uh, people in the tri area of New Jersey, New York, and in Delaware. And uh, the thing that I, I got pounded because, you know, from that area, there's a lot of people that hate, I mean, not only there, but there are a lot of places <laughs> that hate New England, right? So when I said that New England was going to win, uh, oh, my goodness gracious, it was like I had I had called the devil or something. I might have, I would have I would have spoken and say any any you know, damnations to anybody, and they would have taken it like nothing. But this? No, no way. I could have cursed, and it would have been that bad. But then I, I, I commit the mistake of saying, of posting in Facebook, you know, the score that I said the day before. So you can imagine how things were going when it was 21 to nothing and then 28 to three. I remember saying, hey, not over. And then he said, well, if that's not over, what do you think is going to be? Well, wait, wait. Thank God they came back. <laughs> and oh, what, do you man, think, uh, what do you think Roger Goodell was thinking at halftime? Oh, I'm good. I don't have to go. I don't have to go yeah, to New England. Yeah, I'm good. I can just go over here to Atlanta. This is great. And then they turn that can, around and say, that, that was hilarious, man. He, he must have been like maybe calling uh, Dan Quinn, hey, you better run that ball. Don't pass it. Don't pass it. Run that darn ball. But, man, that, that's that really incredible. That's really the only mistakes that Atlanta made was they should have run that ball in the second half, take some more time off the clock, kick the field goal, be happy. They would have won. They would have won. Uh, well, that, they, that they, died the by, they died by their by their own uh, sword, no? Yep. Because yep. they're a passing yep. team, so they, they uh, you can understand it. it, it it's not to me. It's not as bad as it was uh, not to run it with uh, the beast from Seattle at that time when Pete yeah. Carroll did yeah. it two years yeah. ago. But, yeah. Uh, 
But this one you can understand somehow that you know that's their strength. Uh, you have the the MVP of the league there. Uh, you have maybe, if not the best uh, wide receiver in in football right now, in Julio Julio Jones. I mean, yeah. uh, few. I would argue that maybe Antonio Brown it might be even better than him. But yeah, uh, you yeah. can can expect that. And that that was another thing. The I don't think amazing. they. He targeted him enough. Only four catches, but what four catches? <laughs> yeah. A lot of four catches. That one on the sideline uh, no. where he leaned out yeah. and snagged that and the toes, yeah, that was really a great catch. Yeah, really I heard uh, Bill Belichick say that uh, he was ready to throw in the, the flag, but when he saw the replay, he said, no, it's not even close. I'm going to put this flag yeah. back in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, you know, Carlos, this is I mean, really this is really hard for me. This whole this whole Super Bowl thing, because you know Brady, you know where he played his college ball, right? Right up here at Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that Gabriel kid that caught all the passes for Atlanta, and the Falcons uh-huh. All Pro center Alex Mack, and then New England's head coach Bill Belichick. At one time or another, they were all let go by the Browns. You know, the Browns have such a great eye for talent, right? So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this was just, you know, but 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 what a game. What a game. I, I don't know. I'm not a big pro football fan. I'm not, in fact, I hardly watch any games all year long, just hardly any at all. Um, but I did watch a Super Bowl, and I thought that was a great, great football game. Most definitely. I tell you whether you were a fan or a hater, uh, because with New England, there's no middle ground. You either love them or you hate them. So, but as a fan of football, that was an incredible game. That was an incredible yep. game. And to me, I'm just uh, happy that I witnessed history. So many records and uh, such a great yeah. game. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Hey, Carlos, but let's, hey, go, let's you talk know, a little golf. Let's talk a little golf, yeah, man. Let's talk uh, golf. There's, it, was a, it couldn't be better. Me, you, I mean, you, you had a big weekend. What? Hideki <laughs> and Sergio winning the same weekend? No, 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 no. And then John Rob last week, who you called? I mean, you're you're on a roll, man. You're you're like a decky. You're in the top five. <laughs> I'm on fire, man. This is this is incredible. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. I can only I can only say, you know, this is happening. I am feeling it right now. I feel the music in the background coming up. You can't, you can't stop it. You can only hope to contain him. <laughs> there, there it is. There, yeah, it happened. Yeah, there it is. And Hideki, that was a great comeback. He, uh, he played well on the back nine there. So, hey, he Carlos, I want to mention. I want to mention that the uh, February issue of NWO Golf Links uh, will be available tomorrow. It will hit the uh, hit email boxes tomorrow morning. Uh, if you are not signed up, you can visit nwo.back9mediagroup.com to get your uh, issue every month. Um, we got a great issue this month. We feature uh, we talk about uh, what shaft weight is right for you. Uh, we talk about some great golf resorts to visit if you're driving to Florida from the northern section of the United States. And we talk a little bit about how caddying and the Evans Scholarship can have a positive effect on young people's lives. And our good friend, Jay Flemma, wrote about a golf course in New York that was saved by a couple along with the help of the community. But, Carlos, for tonight's show, 
I mean, we're loaded. We got we got Tiger Woods talk. We Tiger had to withdraw again. We're going to talk about what that means for him. We talked about New England winning the Super Bowl, one of the best games ever. Hideki triumphs again in Phoenix. Sergio beat the Terminator in Dubai. What a weekend of golf and football. So let's go. Let's go. And we have in the practice range, of course, you're going to talk to us about that Florida trip you know, you just took there. You're going to tell us everything about it. I'm not even going to say a word about it because it's so great. And also you're, we're going to have uh, Lynn Josephson. Uh, you're, you interview her. She's the president of GLM yeah. and uh, yeah. Golf Life Navigators yeah. and uh, great opportunities there. And so she's going to be our VIG. You don't want to miss that. But it's time. It's time for me to say it. It's now five wins in nine starts for world number five Hideki Matsuyama. <laughs> yeah, the 24-year-old, my guy, he birdied the par fourth 17, which was the fourth playoff hole to beat Webb Simpson and become the first man to retain the Waste Management Phoenix Open since Johnny Miller did it back in 1975. And he joins a great company there because you know who else have done it? The Bear and Ben Hogan. So that, that's, big comp- that's big company. And he now has become the most successful Japanese player on the PGA Tour with four victories. No other has won more than that. Matsuyama, he shot a bogey three five on the 67 on day four to get to 17 under. And he was just, it could not be an inch. I mean, if he would have blown it from he was there, if he was just blow a little wind, it would have gone in. That's how that last pot, how close it was from getting in and winning right out. But he matched clubhouse leader Webb Simpson, who shot seven under on Sunday. Webb was on fire. I mean, he could shot, he could shoot anything, and he would have gone in. But Hideki, he made, had that makeable birdie pot that I tell you on 72nd green for victory, but left it agonizingly short. All it needed was a gust of wind, and it was in. But the wind didn't blow. You know, 54-hole leader Benny Ann, he played an impeccable golf for 63 holes, but a closing four over back nine of 40 left him three short. The 2015 BMW PGA champion and 17-year-old U.S. amateur champion bogeyed the drivable par four 17th as well as the last. But now in Matsuyama's last 10 starts, he has won five times, finished runner-up twice, and also recorded a fifth-place finish. He told the PGA Tour through an interpreter, and I quote, the results have been really good this last few months, and hopefully we can keep it going. There is ups and downs, especially when I'm playing bad or having a bad day. What I'm trying to do now is to work hard, correct what I'm doing wrong, and continue on. It's been a good run. I'm going to ride it as long as I can, end of quote. I don't know what he calls having a bad day because I haven't <laughs> seen one from him in the past 10 weeks. But, hey, he says that he has some bad, bad days. But, anyway, he's the hottest man in golf currently with five wins, two runner-ups, and a fifth-place finish in his last thing starts, like I said. What was surprising was how he seemed to give off the impression that he didn't play well despite shooting a bogey-free final round, which included a tapping eagle. He said, I don't know if I played that well, but I won. That's, I guess, the bottom line, end of quote. 
you know, for Benny S, we know him, will surely be a PGA Tour winner soon. He committed to a bigger uh, U.S. schedule this year, so he will have expected to play the final two holes in one under par, which would have been enough to get in the playoff, but a bogey-bogey finish uh, left him a sour taste. And any you know, Ben has been close to PGA Tour victory before, losing in a playoff at last year's Fury Classic of New Orleans, and we expect him to win one soon with the experience he has gained, especially there in the European Tour. Another player that I can tell you, it was great to see him, although he plays well there, is Ricky Fowler. He's showing some form leading up to the season's opening major there at Augusta after finishing just two shots off the playoff. Uh, he said, and I quote, game is good right now. It was nice this week. Didn't make very mistakes. Two bogeys over four days, which is nice. I felt like I managed my game well, definitely looking forward to going from here on and to the coming tournaments, end of quote. You know, Webb Simpson finished second. Louis Heisen also shot a six under that day. He finished solo third. Ricky Fowler was there, joined with J.J. Swan for co-fourth. Benny Ann finished sixth. Daniel Berger and Martin Laird finished co-seventh. And co-ninth was Jordan Spieth. Silently and steadily there, 70, 68, 67, and 67, finish a co-nine with Matt Kuchar and Graham DeLay. But Fred, the whole show was Hideki Matsuyama, who won for the fifth time in nine starts. And now is the world number five. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, uh, you know, it, it just keeps making a statement. But, you know, the leaderboard was really crowded. What I tuned in on Sunday, I mean, there was 10 or 11 players within two shots of the lead. So a lot of people had a chance to win that, but Hideki closed it out. Uh, Jordan Spieth, as you mentioned, had another really good week. Ricky Fowler always seems to play well uh, there in Phoenix. So Benny on, yeah, he just faded on Sunday. You know, he's got some learning to do there. Hopefully he'll take some lessons away from that. But, you know, PGA, the, the, the TPC Scottsdale, I, you know, I texted you, uh, those last four holes, 15, 16, 17, they create some real drama. That, that Those four holes create the best finishes all year on the PGA Tour, I think. And, Carlos, I have to ask you, so we're down to the end. They're going to the playoffs. The football game's starting. They're going to the kickoff. Playoffs or football? Playoff or Super Bowl? What what'd you do there? Right there, um, I'll go football. I'll go football. <laughs> you no went, you went in picture. You had picture in picture. I know what you did. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. oh, man, you're a college. You Don't both. do that. Don't do that. That was for you. That was like in Vegas. That should have stayed between us. Now everybody's going to be like, ah. Oh, you did man. both. I know what you did, man. Us poor people, we had to click back and forth at the commercials in between plays to see what was going on. <laughs> hey, but you benefit. I texted you what was happening. You could still see the Super Bowl. <laughs> play by play. You, you benefit from it. <laughs> hey, Carlos, uh, the only other really big tournament uh, going on this weekend was on the European Tour. Uh, the LPGA and Champions Tour refrained from playing this week because of the Super Bowl. Uh, Sergio Garcia, your boy, Sergio Garcia, opened with a 65 on Thursday in Dubai and led all four days 
to capture his 12th career European Tour victory. Henrik Stenson has terminated to try to catch Sergio, but despite rounds of 68, 68, 67, 69, that pretty much averages out to be a 68. I don't know if you can figure that out or not, but over at Dubai <laughs> course, has been very kind to Stenson in the past. He just couldn't catch the Spaniard. But as good as Sergio's win was, perhaps the bigger story for the week was the withdrawal of Tiger Woods on Friday morning due to back spasms. Tiger was walking very gingerly <laughs> excuse me, on Thursday and, in fact, was not moving that well in the two rounds he played at Torrey Pines the last week. We talked about that. His agent, Mark Steinberg, said, Tiger is not having nerve pain, but is not able to get the back spasms and tightening under control. It's affecting his swing and play. Unfortunately, Tiger withdrew one hour before his Friday tee time, and the second round ended up being postponed until Saturday due to extremely high winds in the desert. We're going to talk more about uh, Tiger in the Par 5 News coming up, so I'm not sure what I'm going to say about that right now. But Tyrell Hatton had another good week, finishing solo third as a guy we're keeping our eye on in Europe. Matt Fitzpatrick, Peter Uline, and George Kwesi also posed the top ten finishes. Ian Poulter, there was an Ian Poulter sighting. He was in the mix, but on Sunday, uh, 76 dropped him to T15. Martin Keimer also posted a poor final round, 74, to finish T23. GMAC was in the field. McDowell made a start in Dubai on the European Tour and finished T13 with Raphael Jacqueline. Carlos, that's all I have for the European tour, unless you got something else. I think you're asking me if I have something to say about Sergio Garcia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does you the got a Pope, does the Pope want to do You're going to talk about his fiance. I know what you're going to talk about. You wants to talk, talk about, about the religion. <laughs> I mean, this is just like, like the Pope wanting to talk about religion. Of course I have to say something about Sergio. Finally, you, you, know, don't, you don't pick him. Finally, you, you pick him every week, and then we don't pick him, then he wins. So, <laughs> yeah, so that, That's how he is with me. I, I, I think he's mad at me because I'm now with Matsuyama. But, hey, Sergio, I'm, I got your back. I got your back, okay? You're still my guy, too. Hey, I can have two guys, okay? It's okay. You can be there. Uh, you're from Europe, and Matsuyama's from Asia. I still have to get a guy here from America, so don't worry. But, you know, it's great to see him back in the World's Top 10 for the first time since June 2015 uh, after he won this one, Wired to Wired. Um, he led since day one. He opened incredible with seven, seven under 65. He was playing there with, with, with Tiger. He was playing. Uh, he shot at closing 69. Uh, he began the day three clear uh, of of Henrik Stenson. He started the day great. He hit it to four feet immediately on the first hole to start with a birdie. Uh, Henrik came close to Garcia on that back nine when he had birdies on the 13 and 14. But wow, on the 15th, Garcia closed that door, shot. He had a stunning birdie too at that 15. If you didn't see it, I mean, that six iron was massive. His tee shot came to rest no further than two feet away, making for the easiest of birdies. He then came to 18 with that four-stroke lead and tapping for par for that three-shot victory. So, you know, it's great. With that, he's now into the world's top 10 again. Uh, Henrik Stenson moves up to third right now in the official world golf rankings. Uh, like you mentioned, also Tyrell Hatton, 
is uh, one of the guys that we're keeping an eye on. He moves up to a career nine, high 19th in the official World Golf Rankings with that T3rd. He's now the ninth high, highest-ranked European and will be fully focused on qualifying rightfully for that 2020 Ryder Cup at Le Golf National in Paris. And you also mentioned Ian Poulter. He ended in a tie for 15. He's making good progress after that foot injury that kept him out of the 2016 Ryder Cup. This is his best finish since last year at the Puerto Rico Open in March. So it's great to see him back again. But with that, we'll wrap up our weekend backspin. We are going to take our first short break. And when we come back, we're going to have our Par 5 news. And you, Fred, are going to start talking about Tiger Woods. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at edraftsports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash edraftsports. Now, back to the show. And we're back. And now it's time for the Par 5 News, where every week we recap the best news uh, that we see around the around, around the world of golf. And Fred, of course, last week it was news that Tiger Woods was playing again, second back-to-back. Uh, but you called it. Let me tell you, you called it here on the show. You didn't see him walking right uh, there in his first tournament, but now he withdrew. And you have some more information on that and everything that's going on with Tiger. Yeah, after uh, Tiger Woods missed the cut in the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, uh, he tried to fly to Dubai for the pre-tournament commitments, but in Los Angeles, due to the protest demonstrations condemning President Trump's recent executive order that banned travelers from seven Muslim-majority countries from entering the U.S., he nearly missed his flight. He, he had decided to fly commercial to the Middle East to avoid a layover if he flew his own plane, and it was the first time he'd flown in a commercial plane for 10 years. So I have come to find out that he flew on an Emirates special class uh, uh, plane that has that separate compartment, so it has like a little... Uh, you know, the the seat goes out into like a small bed or cot or something. So he did have that. But I just can't imagine that riding in that commercial plane, even though that's a special cab and all that kind of thing, I, I just can't think that that helped his back rather than riding on the G6 and having a bed there that he could go stretch out on and, and uh, get comfortable. So, you know, we've talked before on the show about travel that professional golfers are forced to endure. And, uh, yes, world travel seems pretty enticing to the huddled masses yearning to be free, but in reality, too much travel is not good on the body, especially a 41-year-old body with achy knees and a touchy back. The problem is that Tiger did not look well in the Farmers Insurance Open and even worse in the Middle East. Brandel Chambly commented after his opening round 77 and said that Tiger looked like an old man. I look at Tiger, and I can't help but think he looks like an old man. 
He looks like the oldest 41-year-old man in the history of the game. I saw him getting out of the bunker on the first hole, and he was standing very stiff and upright as if he was getting out of the, out of the bunker, and he looked like he was walking around protecting an issue that he wasn't speaking to. That's very much what it looked like to me. That was Randall Chambly's comments. Tiger hobbled around the first round for a 77, which left him near the bottom of the field after Thursday in Dubai. You know, Carlos, this bad back, these back spasms, it just doesn't bode well for Woods. He's scheduled to have this week off and return next week for the Genesis Open at Riviera in L.A., plus then fly back to Florida for the Honda Classic in three weeks. We've seen golfers fight back spasm before, but what's causing them? Will muscle relaxers work? If he can't practice and play, is he just wasting time? He may even need to take more time away to get his body completely healthy. You know, time is a cruel factor for any athlete. We are seeing it get the best of Tiger Woods right now. And just a quick note, uh, there's no update coming out of the Woods camp about whether he's going to play next week, if his health is better, if the back is better, if he's practicing, nothing. There's just no comment. So that's not a good thing. If he's not commenting, that means there's nothing positive to say. So here's the bottom line, Carlos. Woods last won a PGA Tour event in 2013. That's going on four years ago. And has only had one top ten finish since 2014. He missed the cut in the final three majors of 2015. That's over a year ago. And was not able to play in any major last year. He's had three back surgeries plus countless knee surgeries. He's a walking medical marvel. How will he ever be able to return to competitive golf on a regular basis and compete for major championships? Carlos, I hope you have some answers because that just looks very bleak to me. Unfortunately, Fred, I don't. <laughs> I don't, and I have to agree with you. I, 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 ever since you said, because I really didn't focus that much on seeing how he was walking and what he was doing. Of course, we didn't see much. He missed a cut, <clears throat> so we, what we basically saw from him at the farmer's insurance was not that much, but I, I really didn't focus on how he was walking i just saw him missing some shots and i would say i was just saying well he's still rusty and all that so i'll give him more but like you mentioned it would not help that long flight that he has to take i don't care your first class there on the emirates airlines that is not the same bed that he has on his uh, private jet. It's not at all. He just wanted to avoid the, the layover, but you know, instead of that, he should have just think better and not do back-to-back tournaments knowing that he's coming back. To me, the biggest yeah, mistake throw, is going if back to throw two million, If they're going to throw you $2 million to go to the Middle East, are you going to turn it down? Man, then don't play farmer's insurance. Play, play another one. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to play Tory. That's the side of his last glory. He wanted to play Tory. He loves Tory. Eight times he's won there. That's his. That's his home ball yard there. Well, look at look at it now. He had to leave there, and now who knows what's going to happen? Really, I don't know. I don't know. I hope. I hope that he really regains uh, his form somehow and comes back and plays uh, next week. Well, here's the thing. That's he's never. He's never played Riviera with a dam. 
uh, he cannot play there. He, he has, does not have the right kind of game. He doesn't like the golf course, and he's never played well there. The only reason he's playing there is because all the money is going to his foundation. Uh, that's the only reason he's playing there, because he doesn't like the golf course at all. Uh, he played there when he was young, and then when he finally got on the tour, he, he quit playing there because he didn't like it. Um, he waited and, and played in Florida. So, uh, you know, he's going to try and tee it up next week. If he's any way, shape, or form able to swing a golf club, he will tee it up on Thursday and Friday. Will he make the cut? Very doubtful. Uh, but that will give us a chance to see one more time, you know, what he's going to look at look like. And, you know, we said going into these four tournaments out of these five weeks, we would learn a lot about Tiger Woods and where he's at. And I'm telling you right now, Carlos, if this does not get – get uh, taken care of pretty quickly here in the next two weeks. We're talking, we're down to the wire here. If he doesn't get healthy, he's done. He can't, he can't go out there and keep playing like this. It's embarrassing to him. It's, it's a problem. He doesn't want, he's got to be sick and tired of this. I mean, it, from where he was to where he is now, that, that has to be so demoralizing to him that he's just got to say, why am I doing this? I don't need this anymore. I think he should start thinking about that Tiger 2.0 thing and, and, and dedicate a lot Taylor, to it because to me... CEO yeah. or chairman of the board of Taylor made looking better to him. <laughs> looking a lot better. I, I, if I were him, I would start getting the money together to buy that thing. So we'll see. But anyway, moving on to some other news from uh, various players on the league. Uh, the organizers of the ISPS Handa World Super Six in Australia say that Patrick Reed has withdrawn because of a respiratory infection. Reed is playing the Phoenix Open. Uh, the, he was playing the Phoenix Open this week, but uh, you know the World Super Six in Perth is still three weeks away. Uh, organizers say that the infection keeps Reed from traveling to Australia, so. That World Super 6 is 54 holes of stroke play, followed by six holes of match play in the final round. Uh, well, it's, it's unfortunately that we're, we're not going to see Patrick. We know how much he loves to go around the world and play in those kinds of tournaments. So for him not to be able to play this, uh, to withdraw, is definitely that respiratory infection is maybe worse than what it is. Uh, also, in some other news now, police reportedly arrested two-time PGA Tour winner Stephen Bowditch and charged him with extreme, dri extreme driving under the influence. It wasn't a simple DUI. It was extreme. After they found him asleep at the wheel early Friday morning, uh, Bowditch, who was playing in the Waste Management Phoenix Open, was swerving all over the road with his white pickup truck before being found at the intersection of Scottsdale Road and Lincoln, according to, to the police. Bowditch was 33 years old. He sat through the two green signals in his car while the engine was still running and was then arrested at 1.10 a.m. local time. A blood alcohol content of about of above Point uh, fifteen is classified as an extreme DUI according to the Arizona Department of Motor Vehicles. Penalties potentially include 30 days in jail and a fine upwards of $2,500. Uh, if I were to bet, uh, those 30 days are not going to be there. They would be commuted, but maybe some hours of community service. After he bonded out of jail, he played his second round there at TPC Scottsdale. He shot a three over 74. He missed a cut. But then he shared this message following his round, and I'm going to read it to you. 
on Twitter, he posted, I would like to apologize to my family, friends, and supporters, as well as the PGA Tour and Waste Management Phoenix Open for the incident reported today. As, in, as I intend to fully cooperate with the authorities, I will not be making further comment at this stage, end of quote. The Australian has a painful history of struggling with mental illness. He has experienced many depressive episodes during his professional life, including in 2006 when, according to a 2009 magazine profile, he shugged an entire bottle of scotch, slept for two days, and then attempted to drown himself in the pool of his Dallas condo. So hopefully he can get the help that he needs and come back because he is one heck of a great player. And I believe this is just keeping him from reaching that great potential that he has. And finally, also global giant IMG has won the race to manage one of the players that we have for you that we mentioned that you have to look forward this year. And that is cut slow golfer Curtis Locke as he prepares to turn professional this year. The world's hottest amateur lock has been pursued by every major management company in the world for the past few months, but he chose to go with IMG in a huge coup for the company. Lock joins the likes of Henrik Stenson, Alex Noren, Brandon Grace, and Martin Keimer on IMG's books. Follow West Australian Minji Lee also opted to sign uh, with IMG when she turned professional at the end of 2014. You have to remind to remember that Locke will not turn professional at least until after the Masters at Augusta National in April, but IMG was allowed to announce his signing, provided the agreement is solely in relation to the golfer's future as a professional golfer and does not stipulate playing in certain amateur or professional events as an amateur golfer. The 20-year-old was currently there in Dubai as he was preparing uh, for the Dubai Desert Classic, but he will return home to play the World Super 6 Perth from February 16th to the 19th. He has had a brilliant 12 months, topped by his win in the fifth major at the U.S. Amateur in August, as well as victory at the Eisenhower Trophy, Asia-Pacific Amateur, and the Western Amateur Open. He was also Fred the lowest amateur at the Australian Open in November before winning the West Australian. Hawk is definitely hot, and that is a guy I'm looking forward to seeing much more when he turns pro professional this year. Yeah, I think he's going to, he is definitely somebody to watch. Hey, Carlos, I want to mention too that uh, Pat Perez uh, had to withdraw uh, on Thursday from the uh, Waste Management uh, Phoenix Open due to tightness in his shoulder. Uh, you know, he had that surgery repair, repair return last year, uh, got a win last fall, um, and uh, so he's kind of being uh, very careful with it, but I guess it's okay. It was just some inflammation, and he's got to take some meds and, and, and rest it. Um, Carlos, uh, let's talk a little bit about the USGA. Um, it, had its, uh, it held its annual business meeting last week in the Washington, D.C. area, and Executive Director Mike Davis enlightened the attendees with a new concept in golf tournaments for disabled golfers. Um, next in the works, according to various USGA officials, are national championships for men and women involving disabled golfers. There are a lot of details to be worked out, most of it having to do with what could, would count as disabled. But as Mike Davis said, there are millions and millions of disabled people in the United States and it would make sense to recognize them. The USGA already works with the National Alliance for Accessible Golf and Special Olympics 
and is concerned to make everyday facilities more amenable to disabled golfers. But we can do more, said Davis. He admitted that planning is still a few years out, describing it's not 10 years, closer to three or four. Such an event might also be undertaken in tandem with rules modifications for playing equipment for disabled golfers. Carlos, I applaud the USGA for, for this effort and hope they are able to get it up and running. We give the USGA a lot of grief for their action and inaction, but this is exactly the type of thing that they need to be using the $100 million bucks they get each year from Fox. At the PGA show two weeks ago, I learned that the USGA would be taking a much more active role in state golf associations and are making the state organizations comply with stringent rules and regulations to even continue to operate. They will also be announcing new amateur events for various age groups in, in the near future. The USGA is doing something to update and modernize the golf industry at the amateur level. We hope they get it done and it improves golf uh, down here at the amateur level. The USGA announced last week also, this is, this is a really good thing too, um, they also announced last week that longtime Oakmont and Seminole head professional Bob Ford would be given the USGA's highest honor, the Bob Jones Award. We've had Mr. Ford on the back nine report, and we're very happy for this recognition and wish him all the best, Carlos. And I second that. Hopefully, you know, uh, we get more to know about this and everybody as well. Hey, let me talk a little bit about Aditi Ashok. She is quickly becoming the face of golf in India. Last year, the 18-year-old represented India at the Rio Olympics when golf made a reappearance after a 108-year hiatus. She became the youngest golfer to win the Ladies European Tours qualifying school, making her the first Indian-born golfer to win a Q school of an internationally ranked tour. She subsequently won two Ladies European Tour tournaments, becoming the first Indian to win on the tour, earning Rookie of the Year, and in December, she became the second Indian-born golfer to earn her LPGA Tour card. When she picked up golf at five years old, immediately clicked. She dedicated herself to golf, foregoing playing competitively in other sports, and in the process, she started racking up trophies. Then at 13, she turned more heads when she, turned, when she won a professional event on the Women's Golf Association of India Tour, the victory reinforced what perhaps she had already suspected, that she would be able to compete on the global stage. But as a junior golfer, she did not have many Indian golfers to look up to, particularly female golfers. While Smitri Mehra became the first Indian-born golfer to earn status on the LPGA in 1997, Ashok said that Swedish Hall of Famer Annika Sorenstam was her hero. Ever since the British introduced India to golf with the construction of the prestigious and private Royal Calcutta, Calcutta Golf Club in 1828, the sport has struggled to find its footing in India, where, of course, cricket is the king there. But it has less to do with people not having an interest in golf as much as it does with economics and accessibility. You know, the Pew Research Center recently found that only 15% of the population can truly be considered middle class, who on average make 
15 to $20 per day. A round of golf at a public golf course can cost between 500 and 750 rupees, which is 7 to $11. Uh, the cost, coupled with the fact that 30% of the population lives below the poverty line, certainly contributes to the sport's languid growth. The second pressing issue, there simply aren't there enough courses. Currently, there are 210 golf courses in a country of 1.2 billion people. Compare that to the United States, which has 15,372 courses for a population of 318.9 million. Physical accessibility is extremely limited in, in India. Even more limiting, 40% of the golf courses are on military bases and restricted to military personnel only. But Ashok hopes, hopes to see this change. But despite the hurdles golf faces in India, there are several organizations whose mission is to help promote the sport in the general public. The Indian Golf Union, the IGU, founded in 1955, has worked to promote golf, stating that its mission is to promote and development uh, of golf in India, duly approved by the Ministry of Youth Affairs and Sports Government of India. Back in 2004, the Women's Golf Association of India was created under the IGU with the goal to promote women's golf. The WGAI hosts a series of professional golf tournaments for female pros and created the first ever caddy training program for both males and females in partnership with the Ministry of Tourism in India in July of 2012. The Golf Foundation, founded by avid golfers in India in 2000, in 2000 specifically, funds junior golfers who otherwise would not be able to afford to train. The selected juniors receive daily stipends and specialized coaching and state-of-the-art golf equipment. In addition, those juniors receive financial assistance to play in golf tournaments. These small incentives are part of the reason golf is the fastest-growing sport in India. That, according to Indian golfer Jeep Milka Singh, who was the first Indian golfer to play on the European Tour and win. He stated that that growing number of golf tournaments and golf foundations, that India is moving in the right direction and that golf is going to get bigger. There are very few stats to support this statement, but the IGU said on average they have enrolled 600 new members each year. Singh also stated that in an interview that having golf in the Olympics would certainly help with the sports popularity, and about that, Asha herself reiterated that the Olympics certainly sparked an interest in golf that was not there before. Nicholas Cabaret, who is Ashok's strength and conditioning coach, has worked with her since 2010 and believes she has a special opportunity to grow golf in her home country. Outside of her sphere of influence, though, he concludes that the role of growing golf should not be put strictly on its professional, but also on the ruling bodies there. So, Fred, as Ashok is preparing for this upcoming LPGA season, her focus is not only on the history she's made, but also on the impact that she hopes to make through playing well and the changes that it's going to bring in India right now. Yeah, you know, we've seen some men come out of India. They have such a huge population. Uh, you know, uh, Arjun uh, Atwell, uh, Honor Ben Lahiri, who's been at the top uh, of the golf world for the last couple of years uh, around the world. We've seen play. You mentioned Jeeve Nelka Singh. So, 
we've seen some good men come out of, of India, even though, you know, they don't have the best facilities over there, but uh, we've not seen too many women. And so with that many people, the odds are that uh, you're going to have some good players come out of there. It, j- it just has to be. So like China, what India is the second most populous country, right? Behind, uh, behind China. So, um, so, so good for them. Hey, Carlos, uh, to round out the uh, par five news tonight, um, kind of some bad news, actually bad business news. Uh, even though Scott White, who was the CEO of the Ben Hogan company, said a couple of weeks ago when we reported this that uh, the, the death of the company had been, been greatly exaggerated, the Ben Hogan com- equipment company, which unveiled a revamped brand in, uh, in irons in 2015, has filed for bankruptcy as reported by the Dallas News. The Chapter 11 petition filed with the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Fort Worth last week. Among its top creditors are Perry Ellis International, who's owed 267000 which licensed the Hogan name to the company, and Conti Edgecliff, uh, which is a landlord in South Fort Worth, owned, who is owed 77000 on January 3rd, My Golf Spy reported that the Ben Hogan workforce had been laid off, and White said at the time the company was in a reorganization, would be leaner and more profitable. Carlos, this is a once-proud brand name, played by the best players in the game and renowned for its quality of product. I'm afraid it's another in a long growing list of changes in the golf equipment business that will not make it into the future or be forced to make dramatic changes. It's unfortunate because they have a great brand and uh, great products. I really like it. Uh, of course, it's not that well distributed or well known throughout the world, but hey, they really have great products. Hopefully, they can come up with something and stay afloat, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Hey, with that, we'll wrap up our Par 5 News. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we have Fred, who's going to be telling us all about that sacrifice that he made for the back nine report and having that such a bad time going throughout Florida exploring golf opportunities. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now it's time for the practice range where every week, uh, I'm sorry, every week Fred and I pick a topic and uh, we talk about it. But this week, you know, I don't think I can talk much because this is Fred having that sacrifice for us to get all this information. He had to go that week down there to Florida. And, you know, it's it's 
it's bad enough. So we'll we'll let him talk a little bit about it here. And Fred, you were in Florida this past uh, this uh, other week. You took a great trip there. Uh, you went all around. You were there also for the PGA uh, merchandise show. So. How about it? Let me let you start talking to us about the the strip, and I'll make you some questions about it as you go along. Okay. Well, Carlos, as you know, as you mentioned, we spent a week uh, in Orlando at the uh, PGA show, which was was great. I uh, really enjoyed that. We reported on that last week, um, and um, we uh, we also did some other stuff while we we're in Florida. We spent another week uh, traveling around, visiting some sites. On our way down, we stopped at St. Augustine uh, for a couple of days. Uh, my wife loves the beach there. Uh, it, it has a gorgeous beach, a uh, large surf that attracts surfers and wakeboarders from, from nearby. And it's a blast sitting there on the beach watching the surf break and all the activity up and down the beach. Um, another attraction in that area that we didn't take time to visit this trip uh, but it's a must-see for golfaholics, is the World Golf Hall of Fame, of course, is right there. And then also TPC Sawgrass, which we did tour the clubhouse as well as a few holes before we headed over to Orlando for the show. But TPC Sawgrass was it was just wonderful. Uh, you know, they, they gave us a great tour and spent some time with us, and I got I got a tremendous amount of pictures. Um, I'll probably try and put something up on the blog about that. Uh, in the future, um, and maybe we can talk about it more. But uh, TPC Sawgrass, that is, you know, I've heard a lot about it. I had never been there. Uh, It is really, really something to see. So if any of our listeners are going to that area, uh, check out TPC Sawgrass and then also the World Golf Hall of Fame right there. And if you've got some time, spend a little time on the St. Augustine Beach. It's outstanding. Plus there's a little restaurant right right across there. Yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead. After you're done with that, I just have a question about TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, go ahead. So you you got to tour the whole uh, the whole course or just uh, part of it? Were you able to go no, to just, that famous island and all that? Or, or? Oh, yeah, what, yeah. Where were you yeah, went out, We went out and looked at 16, 17, and 18. And, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I got some great pictures. 16, 16, um, you know the way the pros play it. The way I would play uh-huh. it, it's not nearly it's not nearly as difficult as the way the pros play it, because they're trying <laughs> off the off the tee and from where they tee at the back tee, they have to work a draw into the fairway uh, to have the angle because there's a big tree sits out there on the right side of the in the right rough, so they have to hit a draw off that so they kind of are on the left center. So they have an angle into that island green. Uh, I mean, well, it's a peninsula green, but it's surrounded by water pretty much. And they're trying to hit it in two. Myself, I'm hitting it down there, hitting it down there, laying it up to the side, and then, you know, chipping it over. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really concerned about the water way I play. But uh, uh, for those guys, they, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to, to hit it on the green. So it really is a real risk-reward hole. Plus, there's a ridge that runs through the green that really affects it also. And then uh, so you mean 17, to tell me, you mean? You mean to tell me that all these years the pros have had it wrong? They should just change that. And oh man, this is just remarkable. Now, now, now I just want to see the players this in May. How how is it going to be played? But one yeah. thing that 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 
when you see that the the change, you know, because you're used to seeing it on the TV, but then right. actually to see it, I mean, is it as impressive as you see it on the TV, or, or and it, that stadium feeling that you get from the TBC Sawgrass is is that what you get when you saw it there? Of course, yes. we don't have the galleries and all that, but can you can you picture and visualize that uh, once you're there? Absolutely, and it's 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 quite dramatic. Um, you're up uh, the viewing area when you're up on the mounds. Um, you're probably uh, like on 16 fairway. Uh, you're up about 15 feet. Um, you're up a long ways. You're up pretty high uh, above the, where the players would be down there. Uh, and then the slopes from the T, the back of the T on 17 around to behind the green on 17, the island green. Um, of course, that's all built up. And so on TV, on TV, that really looks like that's flat, which the players, it's fairly level from the tee across the water to the green, it's fairly flat. But the, the slope behind the tee goes straight up. And I know you always see people standing right behind the tee, and so they fill that hill. But that hill goes straight up. I mean, it would be hard to stand on that hill if you're standing there very long because it would be hard on my feet, I know, and legs because it's very steep and it goes up high. I mean, like I say, it goes up about 15 feet. So, and that goes all the way around, and it's a steep slope. So that's a stadium effect. But, yes, it is very severe. Um, the one thing that I, that I uh, was amazed at, though, I stood uh, on 18T uh, where the pros tee and took some pictures, and there's more room to hit it out there than what it looks like on TV. It looks like on TV, like the trees and the water, and you've only got about 10 yards, but there's a lot more room out there. There's plenty of room to hit it. And besides that, they don't have to really hit it clear out to those trees. As long as these guys are, they can lay back just a hair, but you know they're trying to get it down there as far as they can. But but 18 um, and plus, and I have to say this, you know, the wind normally blows there. And it wasn't really blowing that hard today we were there. But uh, I'm sure when the wind blows, that makes a big difference also. Uh, but 16, 17, and 18 are really dramatic. They're, they're, they're really cool to see. And the clubhouse, Carlos, it's off the charts. Off the charts. Beautiful. What a wonderful place. But, hey, let's let's move on. So that's up in the – you know, St. Augustine, uh, that's clear up. Jacksonville, that's clear up in the northeast corner of the state. Uh, we went to Orlando for a week, as we said. Then we moved on down to Port St. Lucie, which is about uh, an hour and 45 minutes south of Orlando, still north of Palm Beach, about 45 minutes. Um, and that is where PGA uh, Golf Club is. And they have four courses there. Uh, they have the Wanamaker, the Die, and the St. Lucie Trail. And then they also have a wonderful golf course, the Pete Dye course. Uh, I played it last year, and uh, in between last year and this year, they did a renovation. They, they new grass, new tees, new fairways, uh, new greens. Uh, they, they made the greens. They took the greens back to the original dimensions. They'd grown in a little bit around the edges. They, they did a little bit of work on a few bunkers. And that course is so well bunkered. It is, it, I mean, the bunkers on that golf course, I think, are some of the finest bunkers on any golf course I've ever played. It's, 
it's one of my favorite golf courses in Florida, the Pete Dye course at, at PGA Golf Club. And, of course, PGA Golf Club is where uh, a lot, they have a lot of PGA pros, the, the club pros. That's where they have a lot of tournaments in the wintertime. Uh, they were having a big winter national go- coming in there after we left. Um, and I see uh, there was a lot of the pros in there playing on Facebook. I saw they had pictures posted and different things. Uh, but it's a wonderful facility. We've had Dick Gray on the show before. Dick is the head superintendent there. Um, PGA National, if you're, PGA Golf Club, if you remember, when Ted Bishop became president of the PGA, uh, PGA Golf Club was really run down. It was in poor shape. The pros didn't want to go there anymore. They were, they were sick of it. And he, Ted Bishop hired his old buddy, Dick Gray, to come down and become the superintendent. And Dick has brought it back. I mean, it's really uh, – anybody would be happy to play there now. Uh, it's an open to the public. You can get a tee time. They keep, they keep at least two courses every day open to the public, four tee times. They do have memberships there. They have housing around there if you want to rent a condo or you want to buy a condo or you want to – you know, I mean, there's hotels. Anything that you want to do is there. Uh, it's a great place to go if you're going down that way to play golf, and it's far enough south where you, you get good enough weather. Um, the next place I want to any, – any questions about that, Carlos, before I move on? No, no, really. Keep going okay. on that. Uh, I'll, okay. I, I have some more later on the on the topic, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next place that we stopped, we, we moved on down to, uh, to West Palm Beach, uh, to the Palm Beach area. Uh, and we got to play at uh, PGA National. Um, well, I shouldn't mention I got to play. I got to play Seminole, which, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's yeah, I can't sorry, even talk about man. that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I know. I, I have to go through that. That's, that's I, I can only I can only tell you that in the group behind me, J.C. Sneed was playing, um, <laughs> and, and he was and he was one of the minor celebrities that was there that day. So uh, it was. I mean, it was unbelievable. Okay, it was unbelievable. Um, you you, you were hit. among the stars. You were among the I stars. I was. I I really was. It was it was a great day. Uh, really want to thank uh, for inviting me there to play. The the person invited me. The member. It was it was just uh, a day where I will never forget. I'm telling you right now. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we uh, the next day we played PGA National. Uh, resort. We played the Champions Course. There's four courses at PGA National also. Uh, and um, now it, it's called PGA National, but it's owned privately, and they just have a licensing agreement to use the PGA of America name. Um, but it is a wonderful, wonderful resort. Um, they also have condos, housing around the area. It's, it's an enclosed community. Uh, the PGA of America office is actually set right outside the gate, so they, they are right there. Um, and um, the, the Champions Course is the home of the Bear Trap, holes number 15, 16, and 17, and the Honda Classic. Uh, Carlos, yes, I did lose a ball in the water on number 15. But, okay, uh, did, my... you, did you – go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, say no, no. what were you going to say. But I did you lose a club? Did you lose a club? I didn't lose a club, okay. Okay. But I did lose. I did lose a ball. Um, but my playing <laughs> companion, uh, Mike May, who's been on the show, played all three holes in one over, which you know he had two pars. There you and a go, baby. Mike. He, he, play, he played very well. 
Um, and so, uh, and I got to say, okay, I got to tell you, the thing that really, PGA National is really a wonderful golf course, the Champions Course, really wonderful. Uh, but it's been warm and fairly rainy in Florida uh, over the winter here, and the rough there is off the charts right now. Uh, it is thick. It's lush. It's about two and a half inches. They're not mowing it. The, the superintendent wants it to get up to around four inches. And I'm telling you, right now, if I missed the fairway and went over into the rough, I just had to take an iron or something and just hack it out of there, okay? I mean, I'm just trying to get it back onto the fairway somehow because um, it was really, really nasty. So I'm telling you, if you're picking for a fantasy league for the Honda Classic, pick a Zach Johnson, a Steve Stricker, somebody that hits in the fairway because if these long bombers, if they're hitting it in the rough, I don't care if they've got wedges in their hands or not. It ain't gonna happen. That that's really tough. Uh, the rough but there they, right now is. So they really don't mow it uh, during the. No. I mean during the tournament. Is it that thick? It's that thick, and they're not gonna mow it. They want it to grow. They want they want it to get taller. Uh, and it cover. I mean, when you walk wow. in now, it covers up your shoes, and it, it is so thick, it's unbelievable. Um, well, but that's like a U.S. <laughs> Open thing. <laughs> it's like a U.S. Open. I'm telling you, I'll I'll tell you if the wind blows a little bit uh, during the during the tournament in a couple of weeks, even par will be a good score. Uh, wow. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult. And when they get to 15, 16, 17, if the wind's blowing, you know, um, with those little greens on those par threes, 15 and 17, look out, look out. Wow. Um, from there. Uh, we left uh, Palm Beach. We, we went across uh, Alligator Alley. We went across I-75 to our favorite spot in Florida, uh, Naples in southwest Florida. And Carlos, uh, we have, the, we have the, uh, the interview with Lynn Josephson that we taped at their office. Uh, Lynn uh, was, uh, invited us over to see him and talk to him a little bit, and, and uh, uh, he helped kind of arrange a little bit of our trip and, and – uh, So uh, uh, why don't you play an interview with Lynn? Uh, he talks a little bit about sure. the Naples area. Of course, you know, while you were there in Naples, uh, you took that opportunity to visit those new offices of Gulf Navigators, and you sat there with co-founder and president of uh, GLNN, uh, Gulf Life Navigators, Lynn Josephson. Uh, he talked to you about Naples and the great opportunities, golf opportunities here in Southwest Florida. So let's play that interview that we have But Lane Joseph's on the boy. We are here in Naples, Florida, and we happen to be talking to Lynn Josephson, who is one of the co-founders and president of Golf Life Navigators here. And uh, Lynn, you're working out of an office uh, called uh, what? Naples Accelerator. Naples Accelerator. Yes, it's an interesting spot, Fred. It is. Uh, it's like an incubator for startup companies. Um, only. Uh, The accelerator, they call it a soft landing area. So for, its, for startups that are beyond proof of a concept and now are into a different level uh, to where they're growing their company and looking for funding. So Golf Life Navigators has been in business for a couple of years. You're kind of a step up from that. You've been helping people find the right location to retire to down here in Florida for a couple of years now. Golf Life Navigator started three years ago with Jason Becker, my business partner. Um, who's an FGCU graduate, graduated number one in his class from in the first graduating class at PGM. 
at Gulf Coast University several years ago, and then he worked for us at Golf, uh, Golf Club of the Everglades, did his internship with us. But he came to me with the idea and the concept, you know, to, do, to, to help people that are coming to Florida and Sun- Scottsdale. There's just too many choices, Fred, you know, for them to, to figure out on their own. So we save the consumer a lot of time, money, and aggravation. A perfect example, I had a couple that I was talking to from Kansas City the other day that they were down here about a year ago. And they started looking, and he told me on the phone the other night, he said, we got so frustrated, they said, oh, the heck with it, let's go out to dinner. And we narrow the choices down for them, because you know, and rely on local knowledge, Fred. And we have people in Scottsdale and, and uh, Tampa, Sarasota, Palm Beach, Jacksonville, Orlando, PGA professionals, because we're all PGA professionals, and uh, we're trusted advisors, and we help them find the right place to live. Well, you're here in Naples, Fort Myers. I think there's over 90 golf courses right here in the immediate area. I, uh, we were out the Esplanade yesterday. There's the vineyards. There's Tiburon. There's on and on and on. They're all beautiful locations, but they all are unique and have you need to fit the right person for that location. No, that, that's our goal. And we just uh, created something called the Pro Guide 3, which is a uh, survey. It's a, our proprietary survey that was done with... Um, the help of a gentleman who is the only gentleman in the United States that has his um, a doctorate in why people join golf courses. But he and Iowa State University, who he was working with with some of the professors, created this ProGuide 3. And we use it uh, as a very helpful tool that we send to the consumer um, that has um, a lot of data in it um, for why they join clubs, both internal and external factors, um, their price range, their budget, their needs, and their wants. And we use that and then sort it out and try to find three or four courses or communities that we think would fit their, their pro guide. And it doesn't just have to be golf. We've been staying in Naples Bay Resort this week. They're a marina. They have a tennis club. They have a swimming pool. They have a fitness center and a spa. And you're also partnering with them because of amenities they provide along with the partnerships they have with the golf clubs. It might make sense to to be a member there. Naples Bay Resort is a really great thing. You can walk to downtown Naples. It's right on Naples Bay. They have a resort-style pool. They have a strong tennis program, a a spa and and health area that is really, really good. Um, great outdoor casual bar around the poolside. And, yes, we're, we're trying to help them, people, to their resort. Um, and it's a great place to stay because they do have association with three or four different golf courses. People can come down and do a stay and play. We're in love with the whole Naples area. And, uh, Lynn, we're always uh, happy to work with you guys here at Golf Life Navigators. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon again. Thanks, Fred, and have a safe tra- trip back up north, buddy. There you have it. That was an interview with Lynn Joseph. And he is the president and co-founder of Golf Life Navigator. So, Fred, uh, anything that you would like to add before we move on to the rest of the practice range? Yeah, just to wrap up, uh, Carlos, uh, as we mentioned, there's uh, over 90 golf courses and resorts just in the southwest Florida area. Uh, they offer something for everyone. The, the sunsets over the Gulf of Mexico are stunning, and a delicious lunch at Gumbo Limbo on the beach at the Ritz-Carlton is, is always a highlight uh, that we try and, and, and get in when we're down there. 
Um, as we mentioned in the interview, we stayed at the Naples Bay Resort. It's very near Fifth Avenue uh, in downtown uh, Naples. Uh, you can walk to the great shopping and the great restaurants and all the activities they have there. Um, the, the Naples Bay Resort itself, uh, just a fantastic, fantastic place. The accommodations and service are first class. Uh, many of the many of the employees have come out of the Ritz-Carlton system, so you, you can imagine what kind of service you get there. And then the Naples Pier is a great place for an afternoon walk or to view one of those great sunsets. We also spent a relaxing afternoon on Vanderbilt Beach, which is just a little bit north of Naples. And then one other property that I want to mention that's one of our favorites we stayed at before. We didn't actually get there this time, but Naples Beach and Golf Resort. Uh, we've had rooms there where you can walk right onto the beach, or if you turn left, you can walk across the street right on right into the pro shop. The golf course is right across the street. So, um, and many people don't realize this, but when Jack Nicholas was young, his family uh, vacationed at the Naples Beach and Golf Club, and in fact, it was the first course that young Jackie broke 40 for nine holes when he was 11 years old. So it kind of holds a special place. They just did a renovation of that golf course, uh, and so it's all new. They've updated it, um, and, and I didn't get it. I was supposed to play it, but we didn't get a chance to do it. It just didn't work out. So um, I'll do that on the next trip. But, um, Carlos, uh, to wrap this up, this was truly one of the best trips uh, my wife and I have taken to Florida. And we want to thank uh, TPC Sawgrass, PGA Golf Club, PGA National, and the Naples Bay Resort for making it such a wonderful adventure. Uh, we just we just had a great, great time for those two weeks, and uh, wish we were still there. Oh, Florida, Florida, Miami, South Beach. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, we're talking about golf, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. We didn't make there it. To, we didn't stop. We drove through. On 75, we saw all that over there, but we didn't make it to South Beach or Miami this trip. See, if I go to Miami and I don't go there, uh, I wasn't in Miami, especially it's a wasted the trip. 8th Street. Yeah, 8th Street and go to La Carreta and eat my yeah. pork chops. Uh, I didn't go to Miami if I don't do that. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll no, get that next yeah. trip. I'll, I'll show you where it is. Don't worry. I'll let you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, hey... <laughs> With that, we wrap up our practice range. Let's take one more short break, our last one. When we come back, we have our final putts. You don't want to go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDraft Sports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDraft Sports. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now it's time for the final putt. And I'm going to start right away like I usually do. You know, Diana Murphy has been formally elected to a second one-year term as USGA president. 
Murphy, who is 60 years old, was nominated for a second term in November, but was formally reelected Saturday at the USGA's annual meeting in Washington, D.C. She's just the second woman to serve as USGA president in the organization's 122-year history. Her reelection may have been overshadowed by Mike Davis' exciting revelation of efforts to simplify the rules coming to a course near you sooner, sooner than expected with a rumored potential timing of a completed altered rules of golf by January 1st of 2019. So, okay, okay, we know it won't take much to overshadow USGA Executive Committee news, but well, on top of that, the annual meeting revealed plans to introduce USGA Brand national championship for disabled golfers. Bradley Klein has that story on for golfweek.com, including some of the dynamics involved in shaping the creation of an event that seems about three to four years away. Murphy's first year on the job was not without incident. As you might remember, she was issuing an apology after calling Brittany Lang Bethany during the trophy ceremony at the U.S. Women's Open in July. So, you know, that can ensure that Trophy presentations might be fun this year. Her husband, Reg, was also USGA president in 1994 to 1995. He remains the managing director of Rock Solid Holdings, LLC, a private equity firm based in St. Simmons Island in Georgia. And also, to finalize here, Topgolf. They continue to break more ground on the golf and entertainment front by recently debuting its brand-new Swing Suite concept at the Four Seasons Houston. This unique experience takes simulation to the next level with two state-of-the-art golf simulators, comfy seating, HDTVs, and food and beverage service. Now golfers and non-golfers alike have a place to kick back, enjoy a crafted cocktail, and hit some balls indoors. So don't worry if it's outside 110 degrees or minus five, you're going to be pretty warm in there. You know, while Topgolf has not formally stated if or when they will roll out with this swing suite at any other of the locations, it seems clear the concept could be a potential new avenue for the, co- for the company. This would allow them to get into the heavily populated urban areas where the necessary real estate required to build their elaborate facilities are just too costly ultimately bringing their product directly to the consumer, and that for it would really, really bring this uh, concept back down to the masses and really could influence to see them um, to the help of growing golf as well. Well, Carlos, we have, you know, Toledo is the winter golf mecca of the Midwest. Uh, you know, we've got uh, nine or ten retail locations with, I think, last count, it was close to 30 golf simulators just in town here. And so you can you can go several of the places, have food and beverage available. So uh, it's it's uh, a couple of the golf courses uh, set up. They, they take their clubhouse, they set up the machines inside, and uh, then they have golf. They have leagues. They have uh, scramble tournaments. They have all kinds of hole-in-one Competitions they have stuff going on all winter, so we're we're real familiar with that, and uh, uh, it's it's really a big deal up here. Hey, Carlos, um, we've been talking about this women's issue with mistreatment at the golf club awarded the 2020 Olympics in Japan, but 
it seems the women do not appear to be all that concerned. Uh, the Japan Golf Association said in a statement, there's 212 female members that, and there's been no complaints about the way they're treated or the rights they have. The door is wide open for female players. They just can't play on Sunday, Carlos. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's unfair. What's wrong with that? Uh, the International Olympic Committee on Friday requested that Tokyo game organizers address the issue and find a solution that will allow women and men equal use of the facility, calling the situation contrary to the spirit of the Olympic Games. Well, the Jap- Japan Golf Association contends there's nothing to see here, no problem exists, let's move along, nothing to see. So uh, it continues. The story continues. Um, Trump National Golf Course was ordered by the court to pay a $5.7 million judgment to some former members. This really doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump personally, except that he licensed his name to the course, and the executives riled up past members of the club when they were denied, denied the return of their initial investment in the old course like they were supposed to have been. But the court did award the former members a $5.7 million judgment. So everybody should be happy, and we just had to get a Donald Trump mention into the show, Carlos. Um, two winners were selected for the 2016 Herbert Warren Win Book Award given by the Golf Writers Association of America. The award recognized and honors outstanding contributions to golf literature while attempting to broaden public interest in and knowledge of the game of golf. Kevin Robbins, author of Harvey Pinnock, The Life and Wisdom of the Man Who Wrote the Book on Golf, and Peter Lewis, author of Why Are There 18 Holes, St. Andrews and the Evolution of Golf Courses, 1764-1890. to Both received the prestigious award at the USGA's annual meeting last Saturday. Antigua was announced today as the official brand for the 2017 Solheim Cup. Um, They have been uh, involved with the Ryder Cup and the the LPGA with the Solheim Cup uh, several different years. And so they're happy to do that, and they have good stuff, Carlos, I can tell you, because I have several Antigua shirts and sweaters, <laughs> and I love them. I, I, you know, I'm telling you. Uh, if you think you're a pretty fair putter, you can join the uh, major series of putting with their finals to be held in Las Vegas in October. The events are scheduled in several cities around the country. You can find a qualifier fire near you at msop.com and then it's EN qualifier but uh, msop.com and then just a real quick programming note here CBS Sports uh, with Jim Nance and Gary McCord hosting will be airing the Celebrity Hole in One competition from Pebble Beach on Thursday at 1.30 a.m. Scheduled, scheduled to compete are Justin Timberlake, Peyton Manning, Mark Wahlberg, Bill Murray, and Toby Keith, and they'll all be trying for a $1 million prize for their favorite charity. And, Carlos, don't forget to catch the diverse stories from around the world of golf on Back Nine Report TV on Roku. You can go to myroku, that's M-Y-R-O-K-U.com, to open account and download it today, Carlos. Today, don't forget about that. Well, Back Niners, that will wrap up another week of the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. 
Special thanks to our VIG, very important guest of the week, Lean Josephson. Josephson, he's the co-founder and president of Golf Life Navigators. Don't forget to join us again next, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, check it out on the iTunes or TuneIn. And if you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Back9Report with the number nine in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres. Along with Fred Alvader, we wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>